2: seats, seats, the show show is show is about to begin. Oh my <laughs> welcome to Cavs podcast. I'm Nate Smith, and I'm here with Chris Francis. There we go.
3: All right, we nailed it that time, baby. <laughs> yes, let me
2: just end the podcast now. <laughs> Drop the mic. <laughs> so, so after a significant drubbing at the hands of the Bulls on Tuesday, which we'll get into a minute, a one thirty one ninety five in a game that was not that close. If, if right. we're being honest, it was near fifty. For a lot of the second half of that game. Um, The Cavs. eked out a win tonight. In Atlanta. Now. I I will uh, caveat that. By saying. I have. It has been many years since I. Saw a team play. It's regular season rotation. Late. The entire game. In a preseason game. And you know they closed out. Basically, Atlanta's bench and took just about every ounce of effort to do it, uh, but they did win, and a win is a win is a win. So that's right. That is right. Um, yes. You know, I think the most exciting part, and correct me if I if you disagree, of the last two day get uh, games, last two days, last two games, mm-hmm. Evan mm-hmm. Mobley looks like. He has the potential to be a transcendent defensive player. Absolutely. 100%. Um, I've,
3: I've actually, hell, I'm, I'm actually surprised that um, he's not been a disaster on offense, really, either. Um, yeah. And uh, as you said, the defense is freaking amazing. Uh, he's doing so, I mean, he's altering all these shots. Uh, he's making plays on the offensive end uh yeah yeah i i would say agree 100% mobley is
2: uh mobley is the story of the past two games for sure yeah i mean tonight um his box score you know 4 for 11 from the field over 3 from downtown definitely had some bricks shooting um mm-hmm. but you know i my opinion is he's a really hard player to quantify in how you should use him offensively, but uh, he absolutely can't get his own shot on offensive rebounds and, and had several put, putbacks of uh, just a fantastic lob threat, a really good pass, a really good face up player. Um, definitely struggled with the jump shot tonight, but just yep. you watch him. He had a dribble drive from the left wing that just looked effortless um, he had a, uh, you know, another kind of spin move uh, in into the post drive that just looked silky as heck. Um, you know, the offense will come, but the defense, uh, two blocks he was credited with, which to me, the Atlanta scorekeepers were not doing their job tonight. Uh, because <laughs> boy, that they did not count a lot of the blocks for the Cavs that they had. The Cavs were only credited with five blocks. I counted at least five shots that Rubio or not Rubio, uh, Mobley significantly altered, and even Kevin Love had a block in the second quarter that uh, he wasn't credited for. Credited for so yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mobley was a stud defensively. Um, as far as his usage on offense, uh, you had made the comment uh, you know, that good things were happening when Mobley was touching the ball. Mm-hmm. I agree with that 100%. That's exactly what the case was, in my opinion, on offense. Uh, it was, I think one of the problems that's already emerging um, over the past two games is the
2: ball is not finding Mobley's hands enough. Uh, I think you, you didn't really talk about it on the live thread. So I'm, I'm surprised to hear you say that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I I mean, (laughs) right, right. I know. (laughs) Right. Exactly.
3: Yeah. uh, See, you got me there, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, I was screaming for it in the live thread. It's, he, he's got the vision, uh, and he's got the touch, uh, whenever he's attacking the rim, I mean, he just looked special. You know, right. that there was that, um, and he really got on a run um, as a finisher in a two-man game with Mobley. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, with, with Rubio. Rubio. Yep, that's when we started to see, wow, he's just dropping buckets left and right. It's because Rubio's finding him in spots where he can attack
2: the rim. Well, um, and not he, just buckets for himself, like that that high dribble handoff action, he is such a threat to drive. Because he can literally get to the rim in two steps. Absolutely. And um, the last guy that I saw that had that ability as a face-up game is a big, that large, that could just effortlessly get to the rim in two steps like him was was Giannis. Yep, Um, yep. Mm -hmm. And he has just tremendous footwork, tremendous ability to accelerate to the basket, and kind of just an effortless game. Uh, you put him in that high dribble handoff, he fakes that and drives. He, he's golden. He's such a good passer that yep. it, they should be running half their sets around that offense. Absolutely. You know?
3: and, and also, just not only can he drive, he's got a, a good enough handle. Granted, he's young and it'll be sloppy at times. Yeah. But he's got a good enough handle that you saw him fake the dribble handoff and then uh, – Was able to work himself into a post up, um, against, uh, and especially as he gets better reading mismatches is if he's got a small on him, he's going to be able to feast all day taking that dribble hand, fake dribble handoff to a post up ISO and shoot right over his man. You know, that, that's going to be a part of his game and it needs to be a part of his game, but, but you got to get the ball in his hands first, you know, so, and, and so that was kind of, You know, I was, you know, I'm glad he got his shots up. Uh, He he seemed to be aggressive, but I think they could have even done more offensively with him. Um, (laughs) Oh, for
2: sure. And I think part of the issue is they don't want to give him too much at first. Um, Right. You know, I think the Cavs actually suffer from this, you know, delusion that giving these guys too much is going to be a problem. You know, you, you've kind of seen it with Okoro where, to kind of just lose track of him. And he kind of sometimes doesn't know what his role is supposed to be. Um, He struggled at times tonight, but you know, Mobley is not a guy I honestly worry about, you know, giving too much. He just, he seems to really get it. Um, One of the things that's just so fascinating to watch about him is he just surprises wings and guards with his ability to recover uh, when he's beaten. And and it almost looks like, like, I I commented that it almost looks like he's baiting these guys. Like, sometimes it's bad defense. Sometimes he's taking a bad angle or a poor closeout. But it also sometimes seems like he's just baiting somebody into a drive and he's just going to swallow him up when he gets, you know, down amongst the trees. Yeah, uh, with, like an which, adult against a kid. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, that's a great analogy. So he, he just looked absolutely, absolutely special. Um, super excited to see what we saw from him as a rebounder tonight, you know, with nine defensive boards, 12, uh, three offensive boards. Uh, his, he did not seem to float away from the ball as he had in preseason and, you know, a lot of his, uh, USC clips. Uh, he did a nice job of, you know, getting to his spot and then going straight up for the ball rather than jumping to the ball. He moved his feet first and then went straight up and just really elevated over everybody. He is going to, you know, struggle against some of the bigger guys. And, you know, Georgi Dieng uh, is who he was matched up uh, a lot of the night for Atlanta. And Dieng, <laughs> uh, I'm I'm going to mispronounce that about 15 times, but uh, Dieng, He's a solid, stout player, but he um, he's not like a Joel Embiid that's just, just going to absolutely abuse him on the block. But there aren't a right. ton of those guys around anymore, so right. I think he'll be able to hold his own for the most part. Um, yeah, you know, he's going to have some nights that he struggles. But the other thing that he does is the ability to absorb space without fouling. His his verticality is just fantastic. And mm-hmm. his ability to read the defense and literally play the passer and the roller, like guard two guys at the same time, is right. something you – it's absolutely special in a 19-year-old rookie. I yeah. Mean, that, yeah, because it, it's it, – you don't see yeah, guys who've been in the league twelve years with that kind of defensive vision.
3: Absolutely, exactly, and you use the correct term there. In my opinion, it's not just the fact that he's physically long; he has a defensive vision. He anticipates that pass or the passing lane, and he covers it. You know, with yeah. his with active hands. Yeah. So uh, yeah, and it's without just, fouling. Right, exactly. Yeah. It's so it's fundamentally sound. It's it's high level basketball mind that he has, and it's just a it's a joy to watch. Thank God, man. I mean, oh yeah. No, uh, yeah. One thing I'm looking at with the box score here plus eleven.
2: Oh yeah, uh, and he earned every bit of that. I mean, he led all the starters in plus minus. Yep.
3: Yep. absolutely. And then the twelve rebounds, as you said, he had eight rebounds last night in only twenty two minutes.
2: Yeah, and you know, uh, do you have that box score up? Uh, did yep. he lead the starters in plus-minus th- uh, last night as well?
3: Uh, he was among – yeah, I mean, he was close to – yeah, him, Okoro, and Sexton were the least awful of the <laughs> yeah, starters <and> last night. <laughs>
2: I, I, I mean, last night, it, the game very much snowballed in the mid-second quarter when I believe Chicago went on like a 16-0 run in like an instant. And yeah. Uh, it, it just fell apart and it clearly wasn't the Cavs night. Uh, I, I was super worried, uh, coming into tonight. I think they did kind of need a win for their psyche. Yeah. Uh, this evening. But, uh, yeah, I thought he looked great in the Bulls game. Um, you know, at least defensively. Um, yep. Three stocks. Yeah, exactly. And just, And the rebounding was there. He had that beautiful spin move. Uh, It just looked really, really sharp. Um, And, like, he's so good defensively, his offensive shortcomings are not – you can still play him even though he's a negative on offense, at least in terms of finishing and shooting right now. Uh, I don't think he's going to be a negative on offense in terms of actually running an offense. Um and, and finishing is gonna be an issue for him until he kind of just gets used to the NBA physicality. Um you saw it a little bit with with being a little strong on some of these drives. Um but when he figures it out, I mean the sky's the limit for him. They had a poll during the game that, you know, which GM which player did GMs think was going to be the best player from this draft in five years? And the winner was Evan Mobley. And wow, are you serious?
0: Yeah,
3: yeah. Wow. Even yeah. With, even with all the hype surrounding Jalen Green, huh? Yeah,
2: uh, Jalen Green and um, Kate Cunningham. Kate Cunningham. Was it was still, you know, Evan Mobley. Wow, so, wow. Um, that that's exciting stuff. And uh, I don't just watching him tonight with as good as he like. I he could arguably he's so good at defense right now just from what we've seen in two games, that he might be the Cavs' best player in terms of, you know, advanced analytics and wins produced by the end of the season. Um, Which is insane. In this bets. is
3: That's yeah. what's so crazy. That is absolutely what's I so mean, crazy you, do about you, the past do you 2040. you disagree with that guess? No, absolutely. No, that's the whole crazy part about it is that the question was, and I asked this question to you and Danny, uh, Donnie, um, uh, last podcast was: Does Evan Mobley starting give the Cavs the best chance to win? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I now I didn't know if that was
2: true, but I do think it is now that I've watched.
3: Sorry, exactly. I did. I I have completely flipped. Uh, Forty eight hours ago, I would have said you I would have said you're crazy. That is absolutely not going to happen. He's way too raw. He's not ready and the fit is questionable, blah, blah, blah. But 48 hours later, it's like he's been one of, he's been, there's been three players that have played well the past 48 hours and three yeah. Cavs that have played well the past 48 hours. And Evan Mobley might be the best of the
2: three. And we will get to who those three players are <laughs> just nice. a few minutes after the break, but um, I'm excited to hear who. Welcome back to Cavs the Podcast. I'm I, Nate Smith here with Chris Francis, and we're talking about the very fun Cavs win tonight and the very not fun Cavs loss tomorrow. <laughs> and you know, before we went to the break, you talked about your three favorite Cavs from the last uh, two two days. Uh, obviously, one of those was uh, Evan Mobley. Who were the other two? You got to start talking about out,
3: uh, Ricky Rubio here next don't we you know yeah uh, Ricky Rubio wow I mean yeah uh, Ricky Rubio uh, I thought that he could have been the most important pickup uh, one of the best moves of the offseason and he's passing all expectations that I had of what he's doing um, he's leading. He's actually running. He's one of the few guys on the Cavs squad right now that knows how to run NBA offense. He knows how to find mismatches. He knows how to give the ball to guys in the positions that they want, in the shots that they want. Uh, He's completely completely energized, in my opinion, Kevin Love. And uh, Kevin Love looks spry now. He's looking like he wants to, you know, give a uh, professional effort. And, uh, so I cannot sing the praises of Ricky Rubio over the past 48 hours enough. I mean, he was the only guy that came to play last night or, you know, for at least in the second quarter of the Bulls game. Uh, he was, uh, creating so many looks for Mobley tonight. Um, and so, uh, and he was, he was just a calming presence. On the court, you could tell that he just not going to get flustered. He's not going to be sped up. He's going to play his game, and he's going to get guys in the right position. He's going to run NBA stuff. So and, and I play just, the scouting report. Absolutely, exactly, yeah. exactly. You know, just you know, dump it off to Love when he has the mismatch. You know, yeah. get it to get it to Mobley when he sees the double
2: flash. You know, yeah. he was just making the easy play there over and over again. To me, Evan Mobley and Ricky Rubio are the keys to the Cavs. In that, those two guys, possibly more than anybody else on the team, get the team just easy baskets. Yeah. Um, you you saw tonight. You know, Rubio played uh, twenty three minutes. Uh, had eight points. Uh, he had six he had six assists. He had four turnovers. A lot of that is he's just you know getting to the used to the spacing and where guys are going to be and kind of how they want to receive the ball. But he got so many guys, just easy, easy baskets on runouts. Uh, Evan Mobley would get the block or the stop. And then it was just like two, three passes layup, you know, or two, three passes three. And he is so much better at running a fast break than Sexton, who's one of the worst guards I've ever (laughs) seen at running a fast break when it's not just him against another guy. Um, and even Garland, who who has struggled a bit in the last two games. Uh, yep. You know, Rubio, I'd say the one knock on him in the last two games, other than the turnovers, is the, you know, he's trying to get his shot going. Obviously, he's struggling with that a little bit. But, yep. um, you know, it's preseason. He's going to need that shot during the regular season. Yep. Um, you know, figure it out. Uh, and I will say the Cavs – you know, still a little three happy the last couple games and we'll get to, you know, why I think the Cavs are offense has been so disjointed at times. But first I want to hear who your other player is.
3: Oh yeah. Well it's it's Kevin Love. Honestly. That's I think Kevin Love he looks fresh. He looks in shape. He's playing with a purpose, uh with some aggression. Um and it's clear to me, at least, that it was he and Rubio that were really keeping things afloat and had really have been anything resembling offensive production for the Cavs over the past 48 hours. Um, yeah. it, I mean, it's just his activity, his activity, his ability to seek a, mis- seek a mismatch and then punish that mismatch. You know, I mean, we're talking about basic stuff here, but this is stuff that really these young guys don't know how to do, you know, but Rubio and Love do know how to do these things because they've been in the league for so long. They know that NBA offense is about exploiting mismatches, and so they know how to create. Create them with their two man game, and they know how to execute from that, you know, and take advantage of that, recognize it, and then take advantage of it. So, you know, I'm, I'm loving what I'm seeing from Love. I think it's honestly standing right here over the past 48 hours, it's a disservice to Mobley that any of the minutes that Mobley's not playing with Love and Rubio on the court and their NBA IQ to help them out. <laughs> wow. Strong words. I, I got to. I got. I, I'm so jazzed about Evan Mobley right now that yeah. it's you know the the sole focus should be right now at this point after seeing these past two games how to how do we make Evan Mobley's life the easiest and to me uh, an easy way to do that is put him next to a guy like Kevin Love who can space the floor and will and has the um, NBA wherewithal to find shots, take the right shots, get him the ball, and Rubio, who does the same thing because, you know, he's a savvy vet. You know, he's yeah. played in big-time big, big time basketball.
2: Yeah. I mean, it, it's going to be real interesting to see what the rotations look like. Uh, we've seen a rotation that I hate, which is the uh, – I don't hate it. It's Lori Markinen and Kevin Love together. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) as the big man and as much as it flashes some potential on offense, it is, Laurie Markkinen as a backline defender is <laughs> not something. I, I mean, Kevin Love's, frankly, a better backline defender than Laurie Markkinen, which is... Right, yeah, least, I know. <laughs> at least Kevin Love has some anticipation. Yes. And at least Kevin Love... Um, he'll take a charge once he'll in a while. will take a charge and he'll get a defensive rebound. Right. I did feel like that lineup got better when... They took Chetty out of the three and put uh, Lamar Stevens in. Um, the issue with that is that Lamar Stevens um, <laughs> he can't play a lick of offense uh, or, or didn't the last two games. Uh, did have one nice drive tonight, but he was one of five. But he's still far and away. I said, you know, multiple times he was the best Cavalier defender away from the rim. Uh, that the Cavs had tonight, obviously, you know, meaning outside of Evan Mobley. Um, and he did help kind of shore up some of the rotation issues with uh, with Love and Markkinen. um Yeah. But yeah, I, I kind of feel like one of Allen or Mobley should be on the court at all time for the. Cavs. Yeah, I 100 percent agree. I mean, you're exactly right. Laurie
3: Markinen cannot play the five. <laughs> I mean, he he's completely useless as a rim protector. I'm sorry. You know, I mean, that's just – it's based on the – it's not just based on 48 hours of watching this guy play. It's yeah. based on the past four years too of yeah. statistical production. You know, so you're not saying anything uh, – you know, I don't think you're saying anything really controversial, you know, yeah. about that. And, you know, we, that's – I thought that the luxury of signing Allen to that sweet deal was, you know, you could have 48 minutes of rim protection with Allen and well,
2: elite hey, rim protection. So. And I will say this is preseason, so I'm not going to take it as gospel that we're right. going to get a lot of – I think you got to look at that lineup and yeah. see if it works. And I think the judgment is – You have to figure out a way. You can't play that lineup without a third, without a three that can cover up at least some, uh, inefficiencies defensively. I, and honestly, I would look at a Love, Markinen, Mobley lineup. If you really want to play Love and Markinen, let Evan Mobley be that backline defender. Let Laurie Markinen play the three and kind of see what it gets you. Um, I, I did see Laurie Markkinen make some nice plays in space with his hands. You could also play a zone with that lineup, you know, right? I, I don't think that's the, or, or even, you know, what the Cavs did last year with a little bit of an inverted zone. I I don't think that's the worst idea. I, I think if you're, you know, the more that I've watched Laurie Markkinen in the preseason, he worries me a little bit because I feel like. The Cavs are paying $18 million a year for a guy who is literally your fourth big. Um, and I, I don't know if that's really worth it, but, uh, especially with as good as Kevin Love has looked, but Laurie Markin is scoring points. He's putting the ball in the bucket. Uh, he had 11 points, four rebounds, three assists and zero turnovers tonight. Had some yep. nice plays. Uh, the, the set offense with Markin and love and Rubio and even Lamar Stevens on the floor was, was pretty good. Um, you know, just kind of hamstrung by the fact that Kev wasn't, was only one of four from three and Lamar Stevens can't, wasn't hitting open shots, but he, he's gonna get them uh, with that offense. So, you know, I, I was excited by what I saw there. Yeah.
3: So. Well, and, and you made a good point there. They had to explore, um, the market and love pairing just because there was lineup data that I remember looking at last year. Uh, where Wade and Love uh, was a very explosive offensive lineup. Um, right. I'm pretty sure they had like a 120 offensive rating, a 130 offensive rating, something yeah.
2: ridiculous. It was it was obviously small sample size, so right. You know, and I would it. say part of that probably comes against the lineups they were playing against too.
3: Right, right. And and they were bad. Uh, I'm pretty sure they were – even though they were a positive net rating, I'm pretty sure that defense was pretty bad. So, that didn't change at all. And so, I get why they wanted to experiment with it. But as you said, um, you know, now's the time that they can look at it. But I don't think that it's going to pay off long-term dividends. And and then in – Also, I think that it's kind of unfair to Mobley and Allen both, you know, Um, I think they ought to expect some, you know, shooting help at the four, you know, while they play five, you know, it's kind of unfair to them that they're getting paired up, you know, and not having to enjoy the spacing that those guys can
2: provide. So that being said, I love the Tower City nickname. (laughs) <laughs> I love what those two can do together defensively. Having two guys that you can funnel to is, is makes your defense really good. And we saw it tonight. It was really hard to get shots off around the basket unless you were John Collins on a dunk. <laughs> right. Oh, dang. Uh, I, and, and <laughs> sorry, <Collins>, J.A. <laughs> I, I read a great tweet that says, uh, I, no offense to Jared Allen, but if I was John Collins, I would have that dunk playing on repeat when you walked in my house every time. That was <laughs> one of the better in-game dunks you're ever going to see where he kind of caught a lob and threw it down over an unsuspecting Jared Allen who was kind of halfway doubled over. It was it was a special dunk. and It really was. Yeah. The athleticism was insane, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean I will say he was juiced. So.
3: <laughs> oh, you deserve it. At it that. Too. Yeah, absolutely. He did, he absolutely deserves that. Yes. <laughs> All the slander Nate.
2: That's right. Yes. <laughs> Throne shade. But yeah, it was it was it was a great dunk. A uh, super fun game. I mean, after the absolute slog the night before was, um, that oh, was yeah. that was a super fun game. They got say, chippy, right? Yeah, they got—they got, absolutely got chippy. They, I think there was technicals in the game, wasn't there? Yeah, and well, you know, part of that is—and I don't, you know, I was—I was saying this on Twitter a little bit. Uh, Cam Reddish doesn't like the Cavs, and I don't know if you remember last year and even the year before talking a lot of trash to the Cavs. Remember when he was just absolutely going after Kyle Korver um, in, oh. in an Atlanta game? Uh, he is not a guy who likes the Cavs. Uh, always talks trash with them. I don't know why it might be that they passed on him to take. Did they pass on him to take Colin Sexton? I thought it was the year after, or they may. They yeah, I think it was the year to take uh, garlic, Garland. Garland, sure, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm, um, I'm a huge, uh or and then of course you got Okoro and Sexton and. That's basically a hometown game for them because they're either, you know, Okoro played in Atlanta and I believe Sexton is from somewhere else in Georgia, uh, but not, not too far from Atlanta. So uh, right. definitely right. home. Georgia guys with, uh, you know, with probably a lot of family there and Colin always gets up for playing Atlanta. Even, you know, he, he and Trey Young tend to go at it pretty good.
3: Oh, yes. Yeah, even going back to their Alabama, that Alabama-Oklahoma showdown. Yeah, yeah,
2: and the Cavs had a couple big wins against Atlanta last year. They had that, you know, overtime win where uh, Lamar Stevens hit the dunk. Oh, um, yeah. And we, kind of nobody expected him to drive and dunk it, and he just <laughs> went and did it. Um, so that's, yeah, there. it did get chippy. That's a fun rivalry. I, I, I hope it can be a rivalry, you know. Absolutely.
3: Wouldn't that be nice, you know? Yeah.
2: Yeah, although I I would love. I think the Cavs own the longest streak of playoff wins against another team and I think it's against Atlanta. I think it's like 20 something. Oh my god. <laughs> it's just insane just cuz LeBron <laughs> always just sweeping them. Oh yes. S- so. Oh yes, god, those were the days, weren't they? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> so, um, yeah, super fun game and when we get back, um you know, I'll, I'll just talk about Jared Allen for a second. I, I thought he looked good uh, tonight. Wasn't as impressed with him, you know, in the Chicago game. But most of the starters were outside of Mobley were terrible in the Chicago game. Jared Allen missed a ton of bunnies. Um, he looked good tonight. 12 points, 7 rebounds, an assist in 28 minutes, 3 blocks, um, 8 for 8 at the free throw line. Really just did a nice job of filling the lane. Had a bunch of lob catches. Um and, you know, getting fouled, getting to the line, making his free throws. Uh, he he looks super solid to me. And, I, you know, obviously, you're not going to be playing Atlanta's backups every night. And you're going to have to find a way to get more shooting in the starting lineup. But, uh, Alan, Allen looked fine to me. What did you think, of Alan?
3: Uh, I'm... Alan was good tonight. Um, I, what I was really happy to see was the rim protection. He had some fantastic blocks tonight, whereas he just did not have, it didn't seem like he had any, any energy for that, you know, against the bulls. So yeah. it was nice to see that it, and that's something that's honestly, it's kind of tailed off. I mean, you had mentioned it last year and it's, it's something that's of a concern to me. Um, and that was his – it's been his performance with the Cavs post-All-Star break since yeah. last season.
1: You yeah, know definitely, it just,
3: definitely his motor isn't where it was. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly where I was going with this is that just there was a spring in his step when he first got to Cleveland that seems to have disappeared and never really has appeared again. Uh, yeah. since uh, pre-All-Star break last season. And uh, so that was kind of the silver lining I take from tonight is we finally saw some rim protection. He bailed, uh, he bailed out Sexton uh, on that blow-by and got a nice rejection key to fast break, um, yep. which was really sweet. You know, had three blocks on the night. Uh, also, uh, you, you hit the nail on the head as far as his aggression to the rim. He finally put some pressure on the rim tonight with eight free throws. So you could tell that he's, you know, being more assertive, being stronger with the ball at the rim. Yep. So yeah, it was a good sign tonight, you know, but are we going to see some kind of, uh, are we going to see some kind of consistency with this? Are we going to see, you know, is he going to impact the game, especially defensively? That's where it's got to be for him. You know, he's got to be active rim protecting, you know, a couple blocks a night, you know. Uh, really impacting that side of the game and then, you know, and then pressuring the rim, you know, offensively. So, uh, it was, it was a step in the right direction for Allen tonight for sure. I think that's, that's what I can say.
2: Yeah. And when we get back, um, we're going to talk about some of the things that we felt like the Cavs needed to improve on. And obviously in the Bulls game, there was a lot, but, um, we'll get to that in a minute. Welcome back to Cavs Podcast. Chris, um, you know, I, I think the one thing that is probably making us throw our re- – or consider throwing our remotes at our TVs over the last game, <laughs> uh, that would be Colin Sexton's turnovers. <laughs> would you agree? Oh, man. Uh, I'm glad you took the one. – I'm glad you took one for the team
3: there. Saving uh, saving my butt, that's for sure. Yes, absolutely 100%. We have – 12 turnovers in two games for Colin Sexton. Um, and against about three assists
2: uh, in 50, 56 Ooh. minutes, 57 okay. minutes. So about uh, one turnover every five minutes.
3: <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. That, or exactly. That, um, against only three assists in 56 minutes. So shout out to Donnie. There you go. There's the there's that assist to turnover ratio
2: for you. Donnie. <laughs> yeah, Donnie Soter. Um, wanted <laughs> us to re- said by request. This one's going out to Donnie Socher. <laughs> <laughs>
3: That's right on
2: one, oh dang it. That was so good.
3: Dude. <laughs> <laughs> this
2: is your this is your special request with Casey Kasem this week. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> this one's going out to Donnie, a special guy who wants to see his special guy stop turning the ball over so much. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. It and, was rough. And,
3: Oh, God. And it's just – tonight, what was so infuriating was seeing s- any time Sexton is running offense with Ricky Rubio on the court with him is an atrocity. It's a it's a crime against basketball. Um, there's no bus- – he has no business being on the ball so long as Rubio is on the court with him. Uh, that's number one. And, and secondly was just there were so many bad shots, so many turnovers dribbling and t- like literally just dribbling his way out of bounds, uh, you know, and ignoring everybody on earth, you know, that he, all his teammates he plays with, you know, it, it was just uh, absolutely um, it was it was just bad basketball. It was terrible basketball. Um, You know, people love to defend it. Con- you know, they love to defend Sexton saying he's scoring, you know. Yeah, he got 19 points on 17 shots. You know, it, was, it wasn't even an efficient 17 shots. He was 2 for 8 from the 3-point line, 7 for 17 from the field. He did get to the line, but he shot 3 of 6 at the line. You know, no, no excuse for that. As well as that guy shoots, no excuse to go 3 for 6 in the line. I guess one thing I can say—the one thing he did do, which I always beat him up for—is rebounds. He actually tried to get rebounds. He was active on the boards, got six boards. So you know, kudos to him for improving uh, an area where he's always awful at. But you know, it's just uh, I I st- it's it's a shock to see Sexton play in contrast to Evan Mobley. You know, it's a shock just to watch him play versus Mobley, where you rarely see Mobley really force things. You know, Mobley's really not forcing bad shots. He's not forcing bad passes. You know, he does have them. But I mean, okay, let's be a little
2: fair. We've seen fifty minutes of Evan Mobley in and in, in the NBA. So sure,
3: sure. Yeah, no, no. That's that's totally fair. I but all I can go on is you know the last forty eight hours, and and it's just. There's no excuses for, we'll stick to Stexon. There's no excuses for 12 turnovers in 50 minutes. There's no excuses for three assists in 50 minutes. So, uh, you know, and, and he wasn't even shooting that great to boot. So, yeah. I mean, uh, and, and you know, what
2: I'm actually going to get into here shortly are the excuses. So,
3: <laughs> right. It, it, of course.
2: Yeah. You know, it, so, you end, know, for me, a little bit.
3: Yeah. No, for me, you know, I'll take the bullet one uh you know i was just completely disheartened you know i feel like it's been now year four of same thing over and over and over again with sexton and i don't know when it's going to end because we're going to continue to see sexton uh in you know interminably apparently so you know uh I, it just sucks to that there's no end in sight for you know
2: the inconsistent play so you know, I think there's a couple things going on here with Sexton. And, and I'm not, I, I, I'm not saying that we haven't seen a lot of this stuff before, but I do think A, it's preseason. B, you know, the Cavs are trying to play a lot faster, or at least that's the stated goal. And you've seen yep. that. Um, and part of that is when you're playing faster like that, it, the game's just moving faster and they got to get used to the new offensive speed. You know, some of those turnovers are because of that. Some of those turnovers are because they're breaking out of the offense and just going one-on-one. Or in Sexton's case, you know, one-on-two or three or four. And, <laughs> you know, early in the game when Atlanta was in a zone, I was and, – and Sexton is just driving. He had early success with a, uh, you know, a corner isolation where he had a step back. Uh, I don't know if it was against Collins or uh, – right hunter yeah but yeah i remember they had the baseline the left baseline, yep. baseline yep. got that and then he just thought he could just drive through the middle of the zone or drive into the trees and just kept turning the ball over with kind of no plan and exactly. the calves yeah. still seem flummoxed by the zone um and i i almost felt like atlanta was like oh no 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 don't run this too much <laughs> like, we don't want them to get used to this. This is pretty amazing. We, know <laughs> we can't let destroy. them figure this out. <laughs> yeah, don't let them figure this out. So, you know, the zone completely just kind of was terrible. They're playing faster. They're playing with different guys. uh, and, and Sexton a little bit is trying to do too much. But these guys are also trying to get their rhythm. But the one thing, you know, I said it multiple times during the game. When Colin Sexton, the less Colin Sexton dribbles, the better. When Colin mm-hmm. Sexton catches the ball on a pin down or you know a kick out, and then can just go attack and make one or two or three decisions, he's a really good. He can be a really good player when he sits there and you know dribbles the snot out of the ball and tries to go iso on people and you know just gets crazy. It's not good when he's the finisher of plays. He's a pretty good player. When yep. he is the initiator of plays, he is generally a turnover machine, um, and, and that's really problematic. Also, as you know, you and Eli were texting each other. You know, especially in the Chicago game, is, his defense was a disaster. The Cavs are absolutely going to struggle with against teams with big guards like Chicago with Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso and Zach Levine. Um, mm-hmm. Those guys. Mm-hmm really took it to the Cavs. Yep. Uh, yep. So th- there's, so what I was saying about Sexton was that he was two and nine in the second half of that game. And, you know, one of the things that Cavs are doing that they haven't figured out yet, that Rubio all intrinsically understands is that playing faster does not mean just coming down and chucking up threes. It actually means coming down, getting into your sets faster Finding guys going towards the basket, finding, you know, wide open guys on catch and shoot threes in the corner or trailing the play, all those kinds of things. It does not mean just coming up and jacking a three early in the shot clock.
3: No, I, and, No, that's a, that's a or, great point. Or what, taking a bad attack early in the shot clock. Absolutely. Yeah. No, you, you make a great point there because what what – what attacking early and what attacking early means usually, you know, if it doesn't mean a fast break dunk or layup or whatever, what it usually does is it it naturally creates mismatches for the defense because the defense just has to pick up the closest man to them in a faster paced offense or when they're getting pressed with pace on offense by a team is that there's going to be mismatches all over the court if you're patient enough to find them. And that's Exactly to your point, what Rubio does is he's pay, you know, he's going at a fast pace to force the defense to commit to assignments and then taking a step back, assessing the situation and then, then attacking, you know, and it's all, you know, very thoughtful and it's all very calculated. But you you got Bull, who's a bull in a china shop, you know, who's just, you know hundred miles an hour without much thought as you said so uh, well and part
2: of that is just learning to play at that pace and and yep yep. you know i'm okay with with exercising some patience there i i I will say the other part of that you said you know mismatches the other goal of getting into your offense quicker is that so you don't have that shot clock as a defender you know we saw a lot last year where the Cavs weren't getting into their sets to like 13 14 seconds left on the shot clock by the time they got their offense worked around to so somebody had a good shot there's like one second on the clock yep you know that that you're never getting to your second option when, right. when you start your offense that slowly right exactly and and that was actually one thing delhi was really good at and one thing I really wanted to see from garland is you know having some a little bit more of that you know floor general mentality of how to how to get into that. And I don't know if we've seen that yet. So, uh, and we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more when we come back for the break. L- little Darius Garland talk. Welcome back to Cavs, the podcast. I'm Nate Smith here with Chris Francis. <laughs> Breakdown next is a uh, little Darius Garland. Um, a, a little underwhelming in the preseason so far, given all the hype that he was kind of the Cavs, you know, most important and most likely to break out player.
3: Yeah, uh the th- the number that stood out, 100 like a like a siren in a night, uh was his usage rate uh against the bulls. It was 13.9% usage rate, which is um far below his average last year in just unacceptably low period. Uh what it tells me is that he was completely passive, not even he wasn't attacking the he wasn't attacking the defense against the Bulls. He just simply unwilling or incapable of attacking the Bulls' offense and putting them into uh, rotation or help situations. So um, it was a case of him being super passive, not being assertive, not being aggressive, not looking for his shot, and uh, consequently just playing. Uh, terrible basketball on both sides of the court. Um, he was he was passing open layups to turn the ball over on a pass. You know that even happened tonight. Um, I, one of his first plays of the game tonight uh, in Atlanta against Atlanta was uh, a, a ill advised pass to um, Jared Allen on the roll when the wide open layup was there. You know, and he's just trying to force a pass that's not there. And um, it, I think. It got better obviously tonight. Um, he started hunting his shot a little bit more, you know, to kind of mix results, but it was, it was at least more efficient. Um, tonight was uh, D- uh, DG was five for nine from the field, three for six from three, so that was good. Seven assists before turnovers, so he course corrected uh, off the Bulls um, uh, game, which was a disaster. His line for the Chicago game was three of seven. One of five from three, three assists, two turnovers, minus 38 in 28 minutes. Was he the lowest? I he was he the was. lowest. Yeah, yeah. It, it was he and Rubio um, that were – they were – I think net uh, net rating was like minus 60.
2: <laughs> yeah, and, and I will say, you know, I think there's a little bit of – you no, I thought Rubio was one of the better cabs and had some of the better moments. But, you know, everybody – I also thought that that Sexton-Rubio-Garland lineup should burn in the fiery pits of hell. Oh, yeah. Because it oh, just yeah. doesn't make any sense in today's NBA to have a – you have to have really, really dynamic guards um, to make that work and who are, you know, multi-talented and – um, you know, dynamic scores, and I just don't said that. That's just you just at three. Is you're combo. absolutely correct. And you're also not playing to the strength of your team, which is your front court, right? right. At least and, defensively.
3: And one thing you just reminded me of is Garland and Sexton don't know how to play off of each other. They have no clue, no chemistry. On how to create shots for each other, and 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 honestly, uh, because Rubio's so new, that's that's the reason why that lineup was so god awful. Is that they just don't know how to play with each other?
2: You know, they have no chemistry whatsoever. And but, uh, go, go ahead, yeah. No, I was going to say, I I found the lack of chemistry between Garland and Sexton palpable as well. Here in what are we in the third season? Um, yeah. it, it's concerning. And one of the things that's the most concerning for the Cavs, you know, in the way they're currently constructed and in the way it makes you feel like they're literally actively trying to lose games is that you have two guys on the court and basically you're starting two centers and two small guards. Like, does that make any sense on how to build a modern balanced NBA floor, you know, team you're putting on the floor? It just doesn't to me. Um I I'm just baffled by it. And and like uh, you said, these these two guards, they don't screen for each other. We you and I both commented on a terrible play at the end of the game when uh Garland got the ball on the right wing or the left oh, wing like, he, he, and the defense came to him and all I had to do was take one dribble and swing it. But he literally dribbled over to where Sexton was and brought his defense to him and screwed up Sexton's wide open three.
3: Yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. And and the reason and it was what it was was a spiraling case of follies because before that, it's Sexton not getting the pass in rhythm. It's DG not making the pass in rhythm, and then it cascades into as exactly what you said. Uh Sexton had a wide open three and Garland just dribbles right into the middle of the court and takes away this, it the, a D- the shooting to space. Him. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. gosh. And it so it was a perfect you're right. You're absolutely right. It's a perfect distillation of the lack of chemistry those two have shown. And now we're on year three. Yeah. You know, we're we're on year three now.
2: And You know, I get these guys are young than ever the last two games. Yeah. I get these guys
3: are young, but at some point you got to have results.
2: And 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 yeah, so a lot of this to me is on Sexton because, you know, I feel like there's not a clearly defined hierarchy of roles with the two. And, you know, Garland, it, it just seems kind of floating sometimes. Now I will say the other side of this is that if there's a player that, probably other than Rubio did a lot in the off season and maybe has earned the right to float a little bit and, you know, kind of come back and see what, you know, save it for the regular season. It might be Garland, but I I don't feel like the Cavs are that team yet. (laughs) So, and to me, that's not showing a lot of leadership. So I want to see more from him. You know, I want to see him be a guy that makes the defense fear him with his aggressiveness and his his ability to, you know, get in the paint. I feel like he's trying to just break that guys. The other thing that's happening is they're not trusting the offense is they're breaking off the play and throwing up a shot or, you know, take a one or two dribbles. Like I feel like Garland feels like he can juke anybody out of his shoes with one or two dribbles. And, yeah, maybe you can do that. But what you really ought to be doing is swinging the ball, getting the defense moving, and making easier shots for everybody, including yourself, rather than just trying to break everybody down. Because Yeah,
3: it's, you're, you're yeah. hitting the nail on the head. It's a weird mixture that Garland and Sexton are both doing, which is it's a weird mixture of ball hogging and way too much unselfishness and there's no in-between. There's no consistency at all. It's just
2: they're chucking up bad shots or they're chucking out bad passes. Yeah, and And, and one of my worries about J.B. Bickerstaff is that he has not shown a propensity to be great at coaching offense, and as bad as some of the Cavs' transition offense has been in the last year or so, I'm Frustrated that they're thinking about going to an offensive system where they're trying to quote-unquote play faster, but it doesn't feel like all the players that need to know what that means do know what that means and do know the best way to do that to produce positive NBA outcomes. I'm not sure we're there yet, but... (sighs) Oh my goodness! It's
3: uh, I'm very con- I'm glad you brought up JB because I'm really concerned about him.
2: <laughs> a couple of things, yeah. I think. Uh, so what's got you concerned about JB?
3: I mean, it's just first of all, you you hit the nail on the head. It's the offense. It's the offensive design. It's you know, tonight was a situation. You know. Uh, Besides, let's leave Rubio aside. You know, balls in Rubio's hands, we we know good things are happening. So we could set that aside. Outside of Rubio, the only two guys that should have the ball in their hands to create offense are DG and Mobley. And it just happened way too many times that Sexton was either pigeonholed, like they were playing hot potato and gave it to Sexton to dribble out, to dribble the air out of the ball or Sexton was making a bad decision, or Garland was making a bad decision. And so, and then there was this one set they ran. I remember there was this one set they ran. The play call somehow resulted, uh, the main action was Chetty posting up in the mid post with ball pressure. Like, what play is that? Why are you giving the ball? Why are you posting up Chetty in the mid post uh, with ball pressure and, uh, and making him read the game from that area to attack. It's, it's like, I just don't get what's going on. Like, why Why isn't Mobley having the ball in his hand and making decisions? Why isn't uh, Garland attacking the rim? It's just, uh, I just, you're, you're yeah, totally... Yeah, I mean, even... I feel like,
2: you know, Kevin Love yeah. and Laurie and, you know, Mobley should all be fulcrums in the half-court offense and yes. that aren't aren't often and, and why, like you said, you know, why Why is Chetty doing that? <laughs> <You know? laughs>
3: he's not – yeah, he's not a threat to score, you know. Uh, you know uh, he's a great facilitator, you know, and he can finish some things, you know, in transition but that's not his job and so I just yeah, don't nobody understand. Nobody
2: worries about Chetty taking him off the dribble <laughs> and, and scoring. Exactly. You know, that's not his game and he – if he's in the top half of isolation scores in the NBA by percentile, I would, I would be shocked.
3: Yes, yeah, there's no con- you. I'm um, I'm 100% guarantee you're correct without even having to research that.
2: <laughs> yeah, but, and so, so one of the quotes, the best joke I heard on Twitter was. If uh, the Cavs offense were any more basic, it would be wearing leggings and Uggs and drinking a pumpkin spice latte.
3: Oh, why? Why are we doing our ladies like that? <laughs> oh, come on! That's that's a that's a low blow to our ladies. Our ladies should be offended out there. <laughs> uh, oh, I, I'm
2: only kidding.
3: <laughs> I know. I know, yeah. I know. But no, you're absolutely right. It's it's just you know. And okay. And let's say. Let's say the Cavs are not trying to win any games, then why the heck
2: aren't we trying to develop Mobley's
3: offensive game?
2: You know, if uh, we well, are yeah, just, and, you, you know, know? Yeah, I mean, I will say two games into the regular season or into the preseason, and I think they're just not trying to give him too much at once is part of it. Right, so. right, right. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, you're right, you're right. So, sorry, I'm getting anxious. I, no, I'm, I understand. But you know, there's I, some I'm things that so pretty nuts about JB. I think I mentioned during the live thread, the lack of the challenge on the very clear, <laughs> uh, play that should have been an and one for Okoro when Jiang was in the circle and, uh, Okoro scored a layup and got an and one. Um, well, he didn't, uh, JB Bickerstaff didn't challenge the play and, you know, left the game with a challenge in his pocket. That's literally given, um, uh, I mean, it's a it's a, a five point swing. Rate. Yeah, yeah, it's a possible five point swing well, right there on it, that play, it's at right? At least a two point set, The expected value on a play like that is two point seven points. It's a, almost a guaranteed overturn, and you're literally costing your team two point seven points. Given his free throw rate, you know. <laughs> Thank God it was a. That's just season. terrible coaching. Yeah, like that. That's just a math fail. Like if if you could tell anybody that a coach you could add. Two point seven points to your team just by making a good challenge play. There isn't a coach in the league that would do it, but yet JB Bickerstaff sitting there on his coach's challenge. I don't understand how he's still befuddled by it. But I didn't realize they got rid of replay in the last two minutes again. Or is it? Yeah, I, that was a sweep.
3: Well, I, mean, I guess we should. I guess do we have to fact check? Are there even challenges this year? Did they take no, there away are that challenges too?
2: because they remember, are challenges? Um, okay. You remember uh, McMillan oh. challenged the out of bounds on the tip out with uh, Mobley and oh, uh, Young yeah. at the end of the You're game. You're
3: right. You're right. So there was it. Oh my goodness! Wow, yeah. wow. And 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 also with that play, it was funny because. It short circuited the Cavs' rhythm. You know, it was, it was, it meant more than just the 2.7 points. It was, yeah, there was this avalanche building for the Cavs that kind of yeah. got short circuited by that play. So,
2: and, and short circuited what was a not terrible second half for Isaac Okoro. True. Um, uh, he didn't, he bounced back. He came out with the vengeance, didn't he? He did. Yeah. He had a really nice second half with uh, 12 points. Um, Three steals. I uh, had some really nice steals. Yeah, um, that, that was a big thing. Yep. Yeah. Uh, still like to see him a little bit better at the free throw line with five of eight. Missed missed a couple clutches down the stretch, but uh, yeah. I mean, shot one of three. He 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 definitely bounced back in the second half after a very quiet first half. You know, I was defending him a little bit, saying he was you know recovering from a an undisclosed illness. Um, sounded like the flu, non COVID illness, as they said. Um, he you know, maybe suffer from that a little bit, but uh he definitely came out with a vengeance in the second half and I and I want to see more of that from him. Uh what a great off ball cutter he is. That is the biggest strength of his game. Um we saw it with two big baskets at the end of that game where Sexton drove and he gave him an angle to uh pass, uh cutting from the weak side. Absolutely. And and Mm -hmm. again it happened. Uh I think it was a Rubio pass and Uh he got two free throws out of it. So Yep. Yep. I
3: think Rubio found him twice uh coming down the stretch. Yeah. It was uh he really he really uh, stepped his game up, I thought, in the second half, especially I think it was those steals that kinda got him going. Yeah. Um uh DG blew that uh alley oop to him too on that alley oop uh where else he, you know, you could chalk up two more easy
2: ones for him, so Yeah. And it was good to see because he was pretty bad the first uh game and a half. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I Well, we'll burn, and I think the, this, we'll burn the tape from Chicago, but yeah, well, <laughs> yeah,
3: you, well and I, I think you know, it, you know, bringing bringing out conversations we've had privately with Donnie, I think what Donnie's getting at, you know, um as a as a kind of a, a, a overall view of things on the offensive side is the lack of good passers, the lack of connective passers. Um, it, it, among that starting unit is, I think, emerging as a theme about why there are uh, issues with consistency and production with with the starting group. Is I mean, it, here's the question for you: Who are the plus passers that we started tonight?
2: Well, I would say it is Garland and, um, uh, as you said, Mobley. So, yeah, yeah, and and see, there you go. Is that's, and, and I don't think Wakura is a bad passer, but right. again, as we've talked about, he's more of a finisher. He's a guy that's a, a really good off-ball cutter. Is going to be a catch-and-shoot guy. But when they kind of – when he doesn't know what he's supposed to doing, be doing on the court or is floating a little bit, he's he's not a guy you have to account for on defense. Right. Um, and, and it makes the Cavs much easier to defend.
3: Yeah, and, um, and and just your hesitation about, you know, who do we say after Garland is a plus passer? You know, well, I, it's. I think it's Mobley. Yeah, it's, it's Mobley.
2: Exactly. I, t- I thought he had some great passes tonight. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. And he had, and, he, he had he, a couple passes that led to baskets but didn't get him assists. Like he had one on the short roll. Um, well, he mm-hmm. did get an assist to uh, Markinen on that left baseline. Yeah. A really oh, yeah. nice place on the short roll and then he yep. got guys uh free throws a couple times with just real nice uh short roll passes um he he's really good at passing in space of you know like i said the short in space on the move short roll uh attacking a closeout um really really nice timing really nice vision for a guy that's 19 years old
3: yeah I, and so that's, you know, that's something I'm going to be watching is, uh, you know, if we go back and look at the, the box score here, we got, you know, in, the, in the Chicago game, a total of seven assists from the starting group. And tonight we got, uh, 12 assists from the starting group, seven of which were Garland. So, you know, I think, I think, there's a, I think there's an argument here that there's a lack of good passers that the, the, among the starting lineup that we're at the, the Cavs are rolling out, you know, that's affecting the flow and the rhythm of the offense. And, and, and what's compounding it, it, frankly, in my opinion, is the offensive system where it's kind of this everybody eats, you know, let's move the ball, move the ball, move the ball. And, you know, I don't think that we have the passers to pull that off. We don't have Larry Nance
2: Jr. anymore, you know? We don't, well, you know. I'll, I'll disagree with that a little bit in that I think Mobley can fill that role. I think Kevin Love can fill that role. I think Lori Mokinen yep. can fill that role. No, that's fair. Yep. What the Cavs are also missing on offense is, at much like last year, hardly any off, there's a- almost no off ball screening. Uh, except for, mm-hmm. you know, some simple pin downs. Um, there's n- almost no guard guard screening, uh, which almost every good team in the league is doing now is these these small, small screen actions to get, you know. The Bulls completely yeah. torched the
3: Cavs last night with guard guard screening. That was a yeah. great point there. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And you're, you're seeing all the good teams in the NBA are doing it now. Um, and, and the Cavs, you know, aren't. Aren't good at that at all. <laughs> and part of that is the, the size of their guards. Part yep. of that is the scheme. Part yep. of that is they are running a lineup that again doesn't make a ton of sense. I mean, y- you saw tonight, the Cavs are going to struggle because they really have two good shooters in the starting lineup, one kind of mediocre shooter in Okoro. Um, and then, you know, we haven't, as much as we have both loved Evan Mobley so far, we haven't seen anything that suggests he's going to be a good outside shooter in his first year. I mean, yep. we've we've seen some horrific misses.
3: <laughs> yep. No, you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah, he's yeah. so raw with his jump shot that uh, it's a complete non-factor
2: and probably will be this season. So yeah, yeah. and 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 we may see more, but it, it's not. At the very least, it, it's hard to think it's going to be consistent. You know what I mean, right? They don't seem to get those looks for Jared Allen. Um, I w- I would love to see them run a set or two to get him a free throw look or a look, uh, you know, in his preferred shots outside of the uh, uh, outside of the three point arc. I I think you need that just to establish that threat. You even saw the Cavs do that last year with Andre Drummond. Like, <laughs> let- let's get that going. Let's uh, let's establish that. Otherwise. You've got you know Mobley in the high post um, or on the wing where he, he can't shoot and you can lay way off him, and and you're relying on dribble handoff high action. But you've got Jared Allen pretty much in the dunker spot all the time, which means that help isn't very far away, and it's hard to get an angle to that dunker spot. You know, just yep. right off,
3: and, the it, and it's going to be in to, to try and make that pass in traffic. You know, it's Especially super when hard, small like the Cavs yeah. guard. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're absolutely right. We had, you know, uh, Garland or Sexton getting lost in the paint and they can't find that outlet to that can't they can't find the drop off pass to Allen.
2: So yeah. And yeah, we, we ran a little over here for sure. So we're gonna go to another break and uh come back and, and kind of wrap things up and look forward to the weekend. So uh stay with us. Welcome back sure. to Cavs of Podcast anything that you else you want to cover as part of the game i i'd like to talk about lamar stevens a little bit yeah i mean i think my big my big takeaway
3: is are we going to see any adjustments uh from jb into the future, what adjustments do you want to see from JB moving forward? You, you, uh, in
2: terms of the rotation,
3: or yup, exactly. Okay. That's what I was thinking. Well,
2: yeah. What, what are uh, your thoughts on that? We should never, ever, ever see a game where the Cavs are playing their regular season rotation in the preseason. I think that's an, more than a little <laughs> bit silly, um, and, and speaks it smacks of desperation a little bit, um, but uh beyond that i would like to see some minutes for you know dylan windler um would love to you know uh lamar Stevens got some opportunities tonight with uh as a part of the rotation uh i think he played well defensively did not play well offensively i thought chetty had a decent night actually mm-hmm. uh, didn't try and do too much um it Stayed within his lane. That's kind of the the player he is at this point. Yeah. Um, I, I he had a like great to,
3: drop off to uh, Mobley uh, yeah, in that nice run. Corner three. Yeah. Oh, and the corner three. Yeah, that was a nice little run for Chetty. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but I would like to see, you know, Um. I'm I, sorry, I'm stammering here. I'd like to see what Dean Wade and Dylan Windler can do off the bench for this team. Um, Mm -hmm. in that role and maybe give those guys some rest, um, or, you know, maybe, you know, play Lamar Stevens with the starters in the second half and, and, you know, Wade, Wade and Windler, you know, with the bench, uh, but, but give those guys some run, um, maybe even Denzel Valentine a little bit, um, beyond that, uh, I want to see, you know, let's break up Sexland a little bit. Uh, let, us get Kevin Pangos in there with, uh, Ricky Rubio a little bit. Um, and I, I guess I kind of want to see if Fondue Kevin, 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 Jelly can give him anything beyond that. I, uh, you know, Kyle Guy or Taco Fall or, you know, the man I love to hate, Broderick. I don't hate Broderick Thomas. I don't even know Broderick Thomas, oh. but, <laughs> but I don't think he's very good at basketball. And, you know, I, I want to – those are the guys I want to see if they can kind of give them anything that isn't there at the three or, you know, either up and at the wing position off the bench.
3: Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. There's a lack of
2: experimentation that's happening
3: that's kind of – Well, you I know. mean we're
2: getting experimentation, but we're getting one experiment like Kevin Love and Lori Markin and the, the – Right. Or as somebody called it the Wonder Bread lineup. Oh god! <laughs> I, I posted that on on the chat. It was just I'm I'm not I'm not wild about those two together. Uh, just from a defensive standpoint, I think you're going to get waxed in the regular season. There are probably some bench lineups you can play that against, but I I don't think there are that many. So that that's what I'd like to see. Um, I'd also, you know, the other thing that drove me nuts tonight was we saw yet again. On out of bounds turnover out of a timeout. Oh man. Yeah. Which to me is just completely like, what are you doing? <laughs> like what, what, what is happening that, that we're getting those? So, um, that, that kind of drove me nuts. And I do like what you said about Ricky Rubio, you know, getting into that timeout quickly. Uh, he was super frustrated with that turnover. Um, I don't know. What do you want to see?
3: I mean I'd like to see some adjustments with the lineups honestly like to me Rubio Love and Mobley have been clearly a cut above anybody else that's playing right now for the Cavs everybody you, they they've been the three most um locked in guys over the past 48 hours I want to see them on the court. If if the Cavs are serious about winning, this is what we heard from Kobe and JB at the beginning of the system. We want to compete. We want to play in meaningful games. We want to we want a challenge for the play in. I do not see a path to that goal that does not include playing NBA players such as Rubio and Kevin Love uh, and Mobley. You know, along with Mobley. Uh, these are the guys that are actually, these are the guys that are producing and playing winning basketball. I'm not, you know, it was touch and go there at the end of the game, soon as they pulled Rubio out. They wanted, I get why JB did it. JB wanted to force his young guys to learn to win the game there, you know, but it was nearly a collapse tonight, you know, with, uh, you know, and, and the key play was that play you mentioned before with Sexton and Garland, uh, being out of rhythm and creating chaos for each other. Uh, So that nearly blew the game. So um, I want to see some adjustments. Um, You know what? And two guys you did mention, I'll I'll actually vouch. I I think that was an insightful thing you said there. I want to kind of see more Stevens uh, and Chetty and also along with Wade and Windler. you know, as uh, it's funny, there was all this talk about shooters Uh, shooting threes, more threes, you know, and we haven't seen a lick of uh, Wade and Windler who uh, contribute uh, in that regard. But uh, with Stevens and Chetty, at least guys who actually played the last two games, I kind of want to see them on the court. I think there was that run that happened in the third quarter, and I believe the lineup was something like Rubio, Chetty,
2: Stevens – Love Mobley or something like that, or Markkinen Mobley. You know, I, I there think was, it started with Love and Markkinen, and then Mobley came on for one of them. Oh, okay, so okay, Love. yeah. Because I was like, this lineup is actually working, and I'm really surprised by
3: it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When well, you made the comment, and 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 part of that, I think, and in doubt and that's for the reason why I made the comment before about passing is you had Rubio, the you know one of the best passers in the game. You had Chetty on there who is above average passer, you know, NBA passer. He, you know, him getting the ball to Mobley, him able to finish, um, uh, you know, at the rim a little bit. Stevens with his lockdown defense. I think Stevens has always been solid defensively, you know, and uh, is able to be athletic and attack the, you know, attack the rim once in a blue moon. So, you know, just uh, I thought those were kind of uh, lineups. I just want to see more experimentation, honestly. You know, if, if we're saying this is preseason and doesn't count, let's see some wacky stuff. You know, it, it, that's, you know, it, it, that's outside of marketing and love. <laughs> the Wonder Bread lineup. <laughs> yeah,
2: I mean, I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I I definitely want to see those guys. If the the Cavs should never go this deep in with their starters in the preseason again. <laughs> But I kind of get why they did it, and I I see the lesson, but yeah. God, Garland, 36 minutes. Sexton, 33 minutes. Yeah, that that doesn't make a ton of sense. But I I think the other side of it is you saw it against Chicago. The Cavs were not used to NBA physicality, you know, as a whole. They just – and, you know, it makes me wonder, and I've seen a lot of the videos, the lack of physicality and – you know that kind of how they're running their practices makes me wonder if they're if if iron is sharpening iron as as we once said. I I, I am concerned about you know the way you practice is the way you play, and the I'm I'm a little worried that the Cavs practice a little soft. So
3: I, you know, I to me it goes. I think it's I think it's deeper than that, and it's a comment that you made. I don't know if it was whether it was in the Chicago thread or. Tonight's thread, but uh, – and here's the question. Who are the physically dominant players for the Cavs? Who, who are the physical specimens for the Cavs, you know, that, that overwhelm you
2: with their physicality? The Cavs aren't built that way. You know, exactly. It, yeah, you did I it. think that problems with. Well, I mean, Acoro might be kind of that guy, um, but he's only six four. I actually think right. Stevens is one of the more he is. imposing players they have. I agree. You know. I, I honestly want to see a little bit of Denzel Valentine from that standpoint. Even though I don't think he's all that good of a basketball player, right? Um, uh, you're, I, you're, I you're desperate. Think, you're desperate, man. <laughs> well, well, I also think that given um, Evan Mobley's length and coordination and athleticism, he he can overwhelm you with those. He's not going to overwhelm you. With no, I agree. Yet, yeah. but mm-hmm. you know that the supreme athleticism and the speed and length. Speed and yeah. length can absolutely overwhelm def, uh, defenses, and you know I think that's one of the roster construction fails with the Cavs right now. Is like you said, they they don't have a ton of this. So i I hope I hope we see more out of Garland. Um, truthfully, um, Sexton, mm-hmm. I want Sexton to play better. I, I I just want him to be able to play faster, but with a purpose. I think if you just say faith play faster, that it's a little bit, it's a little, little bit of a cop out.
3: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. And yeah, I think, uh, I think we did see a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel with Garland tonight. Um, I'm concerned about Sexton. This is two games in a row. Uh, you know, he, like you said, he's brilliant when he's finishing a play, you know, when he's running down, when he's getting, when he's, going downhill, uh, you know, and can use it. Or even speed. just as a catch-and-shoot player. Like, he's a really, no, you're right. really good catch-and-shoot three-point
2: sh- shooter. A really yes. good one.
3: Absolutely right. And uh, he he made a – there was that nice little uh, spot-up three that he had in a three-man game with uh, – it was a DG Mobley pick-and-roll that uh, DG popped out and, uh, you know, Sexton nailed the three. So – yeah, no, I agree. It, you know, the fewer dribbles that Sexton takes, the better. That was clear tonight, 100%. So, um, and there was a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel with DG. Let's see if he builds off of tonight. Um, but, uh, you know.
2: Yeah, and I will say his line tonight was not terrible. Um, you know, I think he had 15.7 assists, obviously the the, the Ford steals and uh, uh, the lowest on the team in plus minus. But um, he, uh, one thing I did like, he did shoot six threes. Um, a couple of them weren't quite in the flow of the offense, but, uh, I absolutely want him to be aggressive about shooting threes. So I'll yeah, take it. exactly. Yeah, absolutely. You're a hundred percent correct. So Yeah, I mean,
3: uh, so do we know who their next opponent is?
2: Uh, It is Friday against Indiana. It is the preseason home opener for the Cavs. So back at the queue, and uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. Welcome back to Cavs Podcast. You know, uh, Chris, one of the things that I tweeted out, and I tweeted out the uh, the Cavs out of the CT, Cavs the tweets, uh, was my frustration with, the MyPillow commercials and the, you know, Mike Lindell and the uh, the Stop the Steal guy, uh, you know, having these 90-second, two-minute-long commercials in the first Cavs games. And I have been a little bit concerned with the kind of production value and the professionalism of the product that we have gotten from Fox, Ohio, uh, or I guess it's Bally Sports, Ohio now. Uh, In the preseason so far, uh, it's been a little rough. I mean, I think the last two games were for the most part uh, remote, um, which is fine. We saw that a lot of that last year, but we didn't have any pregame, any postgame from the Cavs. uh, and, And part of that is probably because they literally did not finalize the Bally contract or Bally didn't announce it. Until the day of the first preseason game that they were carrying it, so it was it was a little bit concerning. They were actually not even at the queue where they normally are uh, broadcasting. So I'm I'm a little bit concerned about what that means for the regular season, or if they're just ramping up. But it it strikes to me as a team that seems unserious. You know, yeah. doesn't have what do you- their their stuff together.
3: Yeah, what do you think is going on? Is it is it something where, you know, the Cavs are so unpopular that they're just not really caring? Or is it just, you, you know, like, you know, can they not sell advertising except to the bottom of the barrel people? Or what's, I, um, you,
2: what's going so on? I think it's a, a couple things. So we didn't see any of that tonight. We kind of saw our more normal slate of commercials. I think what we may have seen – that first night was a lot of the stock, quote-unquote, commercials that, um, you know, Bally Sports is owned by Sinclair Media, that Sinclair Media has on their channels. And because it was announced that day, that might be the case. Um, that could be part of it. I also think, I also know there's a big issue with Bally's only available on, two streaming apps i believe and it's pretty much they're tied to cable spectrum streaming and uh direct tv streaming uh where so many people are going to streaming tv services now mm-hmm. um you know you can't get them with satellite service and with um you know traditional cables still but they're not available in as many homes as they used to be you know a lot of people went to youtube tv in the last you know two years and they ended their relationship with them and oh. they they don't really want to negotiate there. So the Cavs actually or the Bally sports and Sinclair media actually are have a lower audience than they would have before, which but to me it's kind of their own fault. Um cuz they can't agree on a price with, you know, the YouTube TVs and the Slings of the World. Sorry. And this it.
3: must be a this must be a league-wide issue because I've heard the same thing about Denver. Like did you hear about Denver? And I did not. Please, let me like I, I don't I don't know if I got this right. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm worried, but I'm just going off on my poor. So forgive me. I'm a 40-year-old man. I got bad memory, but from what I understand that's going on in Denver, uh, I don't think Denver has had Nuggets games broadcasted to them in like two seasons. Like something insane is going on in Denver where Denver fans have not been able to watch the Nuggets at all for like the past two years or something like that going on season three. Like I don't even think this is a resolved issue. So, you know, when you're talking about this in the, when you were mentioning how green the deal was between Valley sports and like that just came about the day before the day of that's insane. Like who does business like that? And I'm hearing stuff like I've heard the stuff about Denver, Denver's coverage being uh completely non-existent, you know, and that's, and they got the MVP, they got the NBA MVP in their market and they're not watching. So I, what's going on with the NBA here? You know, you bring up something that, I didn't realize it was such a problem.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm actually going to pause this real quick and do a little research. So hold on. So what were you saying about uh, Altitude Sports, the Denver Nuggets uh, TV station, okay. basically? Okay, so
3: it's similar. It's a similar situation to what you had described with Bally uh, Sports Ohio in the Cavs, where basically Altitude Sports has been off the air with Comcast or DISH, over the past two years, um, because they could not come, it says they could not come to an agreement on transmission fees, and it says it was also off of Direct TV, but they apparently came to an agreement. But so, if you have Comcast, Cable, or Dish uh, in Denver, and it's not just Denver, apparently it's a, a ten-state region that Altitude Sports covers out there. Um, you have not been able to watch, uh, Denver games for the past two years.
2: Yeah. And, and I was reading, they are on sling and on Fubo TV, but yeah, this kind of patchwork, um, availability of local games is, I I would think somewhat frustrating for Adam Silver and, and the league office, but, um, it, it, yeah. To me, the Cavs product has been presented pretty well. And I don't even know if you saw the wine and gold scrimmage was kind of a joke. Oh, my God. It was so bad. You <laughs>
3: Like just the focus on the interviews and then missing yeah, well, big plays.
2: So, yeah. So literally all the Cavs radio guys and the Cavs Spanish uh, radio broadcast were at the end of the court. Sitting not facing the court, not actually watching the scrimmage they were talking about, all kind of BSing with each other while the scrimmage was going on behind them with mm-hmm. no one commenting on it. And as, um, one person noted uh, on my Twitter feed, it felt like a college intern was doing the camera work because uh, a lot of times a guy would like break away and then the camera would catch up to him as after the ball was dunked and he was always already running back down the other way. Oh like, my God. Um Yeah, it, it was a little bit embarrassing and at the time they, you know, I looked on the feed and, you know, at the time sometimes there was like maybe two, 300 people watching the feed. And I was like, Ooh, th- th- this can't be a good look for a league. That's literally moving to a multi, you know, looking to renew a multi-billion dollar TV contract in the next few years. So <laughs> I'm a little, a little concerned there um, about the, the state of the product. And if it speaks to, you know, kind of the lack of production value of the calves as a whole, Uh, going forward, but hopefully that improves. Hopefully we see the old guys back in the pregame booth and, and all that, you know, I'm hopeful that I, I pretty much threatened to, you know, we actually had an, a reader email me and said, you know, he's out on the calves if they're doing my pillow, uh, commercials, uh, during the breaks. So. How is he allowed to do commercials? Isn't he under federal investigation? Oh, I'm sure he is. But yeah, I mean, you can't. We we do have a First Amendment there. uh,
3: Oh yeah, yes, yes, of course. course.
2: (laughs) Anyway, I. I'm hoping that improves. That that's been a frustrating element to the Cavs season so far. So hey, uh, you're on it, man. And I and I, and I and I think the problem might be even
3: deeper than just the Cavs, man. Like this would never happen in David Stern's NBA. Let me tell
2: you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm with you. I I also yeah the Cavs as a whole. You know, I I was concerned after that Bulls game. It reminded me very much of the. Uh, Celtics game a couple of years ago where the Cavs just and it might even been the last preseason where the Cavs just got absolutely waxed by Carson Edwards who had like seven threes oh yes Cavs just weren't wow. guarding I think that was the beeline era and um yeah it was like oof. if that's what we're seeing we're in for a long season I mean to me even competent basketball teams don't Aren't down by twenty at the in the middle of the second and early in the second quarter, you know. Competent basketball teams aren't losing, aren't in danger of losing by fifty in the early <laughs> third. So um, that that concerns me. Uh, I I know it's preseason, but you know, as, as people have said, have some pride. And the fact that you have to answer by playing your starters late. Against another team's bench is concerning.
0: So.
3: Yeah, I know. I mean, it's funny because while we take solace and we're, we, you know, we got the excitement for Mobley, you know, and Mobley's performances, you know, this was against, like you said, Atlanta backups, no Trey Young. We're eking out wins here. And, uh, you know, it, there's a long way to go. Like, uh, it's you, you, Kobe and, you, Kobe and JB were saying all the right things at the beginning of this season with Media Day. But, uh, you know, I, you know, I like, you know, I like the idea that they're trying to win. But are these the guys, are they really actually going to try to win? You know, that's that's the question. Well, you, know, and do you I,
2: believe they're telling you the truth because, right. You know, the actions and what we see on the court don't seem to match the words. Exactly,
3: exactly. And so, uh, you know, uh, but I guess the, and I guess the silver lining is, is we don't have to question whether Evan Mobley will contribute to winning. Cause Not that guy, from what we've seen so far, he's a defensive stud. He is absolutely day one elite defensive player. That's, that's all he, through summer league, through, uh, first, first two games of preseason. That's exactly what he's been. He's been a defensive
2: stud. So, uh, yeah, heck yeah. I mean, Evan Mobley, baby. Yeah. Oh, another. Um, so we're going to be back and wrap it up here in just a minute. Then get ready for the Pacers on Friday. So we'll be right back. Welcome back to Cavs Podcast. Uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, Chris, did uh, who who impressed you in the Bulls? Uh, what did you think of that team? I, I thought they were a little farther along than I thought they'd be. Yes.
3: I, you know, I thought, you know, I I talked to a lot of Bulls fans. So I I guess you could say I have um, less, a little more than just zero, uh, zero um, rooting interest. So I actually liked the off season they had. I think they had nearly a perfect off season um, in terms of their uh, off season moves, their personnel moves. I thought, Getting the big thing was getting Lonzo Ball. Like Lonzo Ball uh, was incredible, uh, was incredible against the Cavs last night. Uh, you know, in this is you know looking at a stat line: five stocks in twenty six minutes. That's why you got a Lonzo. That's why you got Lonzo Ball, two for five from three, five assists in twenty six minutes. And what he's doing is he's feeding Le, uh, Zach Levine and and. Also there Zach, was so
2: m- going to eat. Oh my
3: goodness, isn't he though, man? He was he was he was special. I mean, he was absolutely special. His shot making was absolutely ridiculous against the Cavs. 9 for 14, 4 for 6 from 3, 25 points in 24 minutes plus 45 plus minus. I mean, he was just Unbelievable. And you know, and you made the plus point earlier. Forty five. Plus forty five. Yeah. Yeah. In twenty-four minutes. In twenty-four minutes. So That's insane. Yeah, and and it was it was exactly, you know, you had mentioned uh what were they doing? There was all these types of games that they were running with guard guard actions. It was guard 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 actions actually, because um I mean DeRozan was out there. DeRozan, too. exactly. Exactly. So and you know, I love the DeRozan pickup, by the way. I, I thought that was a savvy pickup. They did pay. I mean, you know, uh, if you wanted to be, uh, if you wanted to be a nerd about it, you could say they overpaid for them. You know, they, pay, they paid way too much for him. but just the fit there was so good. I think it was exactly, you know, they got a, a grizzled vet, a playoff veteran who knows how to win, you know, and, and, has improved as a playmaker under the tutelage of um, Greg Popovich. You know, he's really a legitimately good passer now since uh, his work with the Spurs.
2: So, I mean, so, when, it, um, when it comes to acquiring elite NBA talent and eking out wins, you literally reach a point of diminishing returns. Like the amount that you have to pay and the amount you have to invest to get from 30 to 40 wins isn't nearly as much as. 40 to 50 Mm -hmm. and then you know 50 into the high 50s or even 60 is just you're gonna have to overpay to get that level of talent and to get that depth and to get to that spot because to get to that spot people have to sacrifice their game and they have to sacrifice their numbers and to do that you got to pay people so Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And
3: you know, and I think what these di- these moves did, oh, Caruso. How, how could I forget oh, Caruso? Caruso's a,
2: such a steal. I know. For 10 million? Are you kidding me? Yeah, like, and and Caruso, you know, I think a lot of what the Caruso probably didn't get a better contract was that a lot of people saw him as the next Dele. and He's really not that guy. You know he is right. much more athletic player than Delhi ever was. Oh yeah, and yeah, a Chris better shooter. He's a very good athlete. Yeah. Um, more of a two three than a one two that Delhi was, and a right. guy who is a good passer, not a great point guard, but a really good glue guy and yep. a really good just finisher and awesome defensive player who can. You know, yeah. I mean, if you look utility at utility knife guys on a contending team, are just invaluable. He put up
3: a double double last night: ten points off of four or six shooting, two for three from three, and ten assists in twenty minutes.
2: <laughs> yeah. Zero turnovers. Yeah, I really like that team. Vucevic, um, you know, is, is he going to be in? It, I, have to be inside more than he has in the past, but. I think he, well, you know, I, I mean. think that's I think that's what. See, and that's
3: the thing is they had a vision with Vucevic and uh and Levine, and what they did was found pieces that fit next to these guys. I think Vucevic is definitely going to be the recipient of a lot better spacing now because he's surrounded by Lonzo Ball now, Demar Derozan, Zach Levine. All three of those guys can shoot, you know. All those all three of those guys can pass, really too. I mean Levine Levine, you know, we'll be generous with that. But really all three of those guys can pass. Vucevic can pass. So I think they just had a vision about what they wanted to do with Vucevic and Levine and they executed and it works. Um can, can Javante you do me. Green. A favor?
2: Yeah, go ahead. you say Vucevic one more time? Vucevic. <laughs>
3: You know, or or, or was Was that his nickname? I can't remember what his nickname was. I like Javante
2: Green as a possibility for the Cavs. I would have much rather seen him than, you know, Denzel Valentine for the Cavs. Oh, yeah. in my free agent primer.
3: Oh, that's a great pick because if, you know, we were just talking about physicality and athleticism, what does Javante Green bring? He brought some athleticism to the game. Like, if you look at his stat line here. Six stocks in seventeen minutes, two steals, four blocks in
2: seventeen minutes against the Cavs.
3: That, you know, he was a terror on defense. That, Eight that rebounds.
2: Who um who starts at the four for them? I can't remember. It's uh well, it's DeRozan. It'll be DeRozan I mean, if we were
3: to assume well, actually it's supposed to be Pat Williams, Patrick Williams the oh, pick right. from but last year. Yes, but he's playing. injured right now. Yeah. Yeah. But Javante Green kind of stepped in uh, and, man, you know, talk about seizing the opportunity. Javante Green absolutely 100% did that, yeah. you know, uh, was absolutely mind-blowingly good for, you know. for uh, Against
2: a, 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 a very listless Cavs team. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes, yes. So, of, of you course. know, moving on to what I like tonight from Atlanta, um, obviously without their best player. Mm-hmm. You know, Trey Young not in the game. Um, I I thought they looked pretty solid. Um, and I think we'll get into Atlanta a little bit in our 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 plus minus uh episode for the Eastern Conference. But mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. I, I thought all the guys had really good lines. But their defense wasn't great. You know, they 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 had John Collins had uh oh sorry Struggling here. John Collins had 14 points. Gorgie Dang, I thought had a really nice game at, uh, with 13 points. Kevin Herter had 15 points. Um, and then, you know, the guy talking all the trash to the Cavs, Cam Reddish, uh, with 20 points and, and five assists, I thought ha- had a really nice game, but boy, it felt like a, there was a big talent drop off after their top six. Like oh yeah. Cabero, um, Jalen Johnson, kind of didn't impress me very much um had an okay game seven points 24 minutes couldn't um, make a bucket though yeah sharif cooper uh played a lot of minutes there was a lot I, he had a decent game nine points five assists in, in 16 minutes and they had a lot of discussion about him and a a, a Coro playing together um but i i really kevin herter is a really good player like I think he might be one of the most underrated players in the NBA. I, I,
3: I think he's due for a breakout season this year. Yeah. His performance against the Sixers um, yeah. in last year's playoffs, I mean, he was – he took his game to another level, especially on the ball. Like, you know, he's just known as kind of a 3 and D type guy, you know, Clay Thompson type. Um, but he really yeah, – He's a really he could, good passer. He has a really good floor game. Exactly. I think, I think he's a decent passer. I think he can put the, he has the ability to put the ball on the floor and create, you know, and yeah. like you said, he's a good passer. I think he could. be 23. Mm hmm. I think he could step up. I think, uh, I, uh, you know, I was a big fan. I was a big fan of his last year. In fact, I, in fact, I went out on a limb and said, I'd probably rather have Kevin Huerter than Colin Sexton. You know, and I realize how controversial that is, you know,
2: but... I think the Cavs would win a lot more games if they (laughs) had um, Kevin Herter instead of Colin Sexton. (laughs) I'm just saying. I will say Kevin Herter has the luxury of being a third scorer for them.
3: Right. No, you're at Colin
2: Sexton is the primary scorer and, you know, much Mm -hmm. it gets harder with the more attention you get, but... Uh, Kevin yep. Herter, I actually think he gets slept on a little bit too because he looks kind of like Opie, and oh yeah, he's you good. Know, people <laughs> like, oh that guy can't ball, and then he he comes out and drops fifteen four and a couple of stocks on you. And there's a, there's an anti-gender bias, you know.
3: I think there's an anti-redhead bias. Well, they don't have uh, souls. I think that's part of it. Part exactly. Of it. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. See that you you know exactly. That's you know. There's an anti there's an anti redhead bias, and we need to put an end to it. We need to put a stop to it. It'll begin with Kevin Herder.
2: <laughs> Change begins with you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah no, I, I I do think that team's gonna fall back down to earth a little bit. I think they everything broke exactly right for them last year. So true.
3: Yes. Um, I mean, we'll talk took,
2: about it a little bit more.
3: Anything yes. to pitch. Um, uh the article is coming. there is a, I don't believe there, you yeah, there is a media day retrospective coming, I promise you folks it's coming Buy nope.
2: next year's media day. <laughs>
3: right, exactly guaranteed <laughs> so be on the lookout for that i will I will get that out
2: yeah i I don't really have anything to pitch other than um, read uh, Kelly Dwyer and uh Colin uh, McGowan in uh you can check him out on twitter colin mcgowan had a fantastic article last week around you know COVID 19 in the nba uh former casa blog editor kelly dwyer um his uh the second arrangement uh is his uh nba newsletter uh it is named after a steely dan album and he just has great insight he had a kind of a fantastic uh, article about how Daryl Morey and Rich Paul are a couple of weirdos and aren't (laughs) 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 – like, it's just a battle of two guys that are just doing very bizarre things in the way that they're trying to handle this uh, Ben Simmons crisis and – it was a really well done article so yeah check out both those guys i'm a big kelly dwyer fan and and i'm a big you know i'm all about nba independent media i say the other people that are worth a follow are the guys from defector who just uh you know completed their first year as an independent media organization it's all paywalled but it's it's not going to some giant startup they uh they pay their people and they uh they, they run a good profitable business and they have great content. It's all the guys from Dead Spin uh, before oh, Dead Spin turned evil. And uh, wow. yeah, check out Defector and um, check out uh, True Hoop. Uh, the new True Hoop with uh, Henry Abbott has fantastic content. So both those are worth your subscriptions. So, absolutely. Anything Thanks. else to pitch? No, no. no on so to on the, the queue, right? yeah that's yeah. right well not too Indy on to Cleveland with yeah. Indy coming to town so that's right uh, let, let's hope we uh, see some fun stuff and as always go Cavs go Cavs baby thank you for listening to Cavs the Blogs podcast check back soon for some more fun with your favorite blogger there's a fire.
0: we're out say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my Rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on
2: everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point.
0: 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree?